Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Demore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at DrLisaDemore.com. Episode 85, my kids lose it when they make a sports mistake. How can I help? You know, I remember when my son was like in preschool, coming down and seeing him watch a YouTube video of Tom Brady when he was in high school. Tom Brady in high school is not Tom Brady today. No. I think people forget. Actually, I was at Michigan when Tom Brady was playing for Michigan. I was a grad student. And he was like, he was not our star. Isn't that hard to believe? But I love that. That's what I love yeah. about like people who rise to great levels like he did. He, he really wasn't born that way. No. And even in college. I mean, playing Michigan football is like, he was clearly no slouch, but he was not the athlete he's turned out to be. That's pretty. It just goes to show all the effort that goes into it. Uh, you know, sports season has begun as school season has, and it's full on. And we got this letter from a parent. It says, Dear Dr. Lisa and Rena, my boys are 8 and 11 and are very into competitive sports. They play on several different travel teams, and I noticed that they have trouble managing their emotions at an age where sports should be more about having fun than being perfect. If they miss a goal in soccer, strike out in baseball, throw a bad pitch, or miss a layup in basketball, they are tearing up, crying, throwing a helmet, or stomping their feet. Then they have trouble moving forward for the rest of the game. I'd love some advice on what the right thing is to say to help them manage their emotions, especially before they get older and their emotions become bigger. How do I teach it's okay not to be the best? Any advice would be helpful. Thank you. Ah, this is such, like, where does a parent even start? Like, how do you lay down the foundation to make them realize it's not about the end result? You want them to have fun. It, it gets so competitive so early on. They're only 8 and 11. 
Well, that's what I hear. Like, when I listen to this, I'm like, oh, man, where do these kids get the idea? And I'm sure they came by it, honestly. They always do. But get the idea that at this level of playing, they're not supposed to be making mistakes, right? Mm. Like, that's like that's the premise that needs to be disrupted here. Because at 8 and 11, you are playing a game to start to figure out how to get better at that game. Like, like that's like, there's no pro 8 or 11-year-old yeah, who, yeah. who should be making very few mistakes. And of course, even pros make mistakes. But at that level, um, something has given them the impression that they are there to get it right, as opposed to they're there to learn how to play this game, and hopefully while having a lot of fun playing it. So you say the reason they're putting the pressure on you think is because they feel like they've got to nail it every time and be perfect? Somehow they seem to think this, right? Like, because they're getting so hair trigger upset when they make what is a completely, you know, missing a layup at 11, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. sort of like to be yeah. expected. So the first pass I would have a parent take at this is to have a pretty serious conversation about why kids are playing sports at this age level, right? That they are playing sports because they are developing the skills involved in the sports, and the way you develop those skills is you practice those skills, and you're practicing those skills means sometimes you're going to get it, and sometimes you're not. But to do everything they can to reframe sports at this level in terms of like, yeah, you're supposed to be working on getting good. You're not supposed to be good yet. Like that's not really the expectation. And maybe even trying to figure out where that idea came from, right, that they're supposed to be so good because they're really not. But it's like academics in high school. Like I just hate the pressure of, of having to get into the bright top college. And it's the same in sports. It's like if your kid didn't start when they were three, good luck. Well, this is right, really the hard thing. And when I listen to this letter, I think, oh, man, like I think there's a whole backstory here, right, about the industrial complex behind kids' sports and this idea that we're trying to cultivate professional athletes even from the earliest days. And you do that by getting kids in early and often and, you know, driving them along a lot of places to play a lot of games. But so I think hopefully the parent can disabuse the boys a little bit of this idea that at 8 and 11, they should somehow be very talented athletes. Like that is not what should be happening or it's certainly not expectable. So that would be the first pass. The second pass is to actually put the boys a little bit back in the driver's seat and say to them, if it's bothering you that you're missing layups, right, or if it's bothering you that you've got a bad throw, practicing will help you get better. And if you want to practice more at that, we can work with you on making that happen. So getting into their heads that it's not like you're naturally born, you've got to work at it. Absolutely. And there's a concept that we've touched on, you know, at various points in the podcast, but that's actually really worth unpacking here. And it's this idea of growth mindset. And it comes from the psychologist Carol Dweck, um, who, you know, career long at Stanford, incredible work. And she really, she wrote a book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And what she gets at in that book is there's basically two kinds of people, like people who think your skills are what you're born with. And if you got great skills upon birth, like lucky you. We call that a fixed mindset. And then people with a growth mindset who feel like the skills they've got are a starting point and that with effort, they can improve their skills. And so what we want is growth mindset athletes and we want growth mindset students. Um, I'm going to throw a little asterisk on this, Rena, before we go another step further. Um, 
people have fairly criticized growth mindset when it is extended beyond its original intent. So sometimes people have said like, oh, you know, if just those kids would work harder, they could really succeed. And they're talking about kids who have like major structural interferences like racism or poverty mm. or, you know. Mm. So so some people have like wondered a bit about like, should we be talking growth mindset? And what I would say is, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, don't apply growth mindset to the solution to every problem, especially, you know, systemic racism. Like, that's not the solution to that. But for situations like this, where there is a kid who is feeling frustrated about a skill set that is not where they want it to be, growth mindset is a great response, which is to say, if you want to get better, you're going to get better by practicing. And there's even a line in Carol Dweck's book, which is hard to read, but like pretty like important to read, where she's um, writing about a kid who, a girl who's a gymnast who's upset with her performance. And the dad says to her, the girls who are beating you, they're practicing more than you are. Ooh. Right? That must have been hard to hear. That must have been right? hard to hear, though. Yeah. It's pretty blunt. But it's also kind of beautiful because he's basically saying, you're not helpless. If you want to practice more, you can get better. And just kind of being like, that's how the world works, Cookie. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be honest with you about it. So... That's another place for a parent to go if a kid's feeling really frustrated that they're not getting it right as much as they want to is, well, you can work harder and you will get it right more often. Wow. That's interesting. Growth mindset. We'll put that in show notes for people to pick that up if they're interested. So to this point of disappointment, how do you help kids move past it? Well, so this is interesting, right? Because the other thing that comes up in this letter is that then they they get stuck, right? That they are um, making a mistake, which Mm -hmm. of course they're going to do because they are eight and 11-year-old athletes. And then they kind of fall apart and then they are not able to perform all that well, which of course affects the whole team. And that's an issue. And so another pass at this, and what I would say is no way in a million years should parents take all three of these passes in a single conversation, much less in a single week, right? <laughs> like, you, like this, but there's just a lot of ways to walk up to this, and parents will know their kid and the moments they have available and what their kid might be able to bear or tolerate. But another swing at this is to say, buddy, of course you're going to make mistakes. And here's the other thing. Your team's counting on you to rally when you do, not if you do, when you do, because you're a part of a team. And so if you can't keep your head in the game when something's gone wrong, you're not just taking yourself out, you're also compromising the guys around you. So you want to bear that in mind, right? And we want to be really gentle about that, but it's okay when kids are on a team to remind them that their obligation is not just to themselves, but to actually keep their head in the game so that they can be there for their teammates. Mm. Being there for their teammates, what are other things in sports that you think parents don't think about that can be helpful in a child's development? I mean, we always think about the scoreboard and winning and losing or being a nice teammate, but what are the other things that, that can really make a difference in helping your kids understand that this is important too with sports? Well, so one thing actually is the fun piece, that sports are for fun. Like, let's just, like... I'm willing to like double down on that idea. Like sports are for fun. And yes, there are kids who can get college scholarships that have, you know, major financial impact on their themselves and their families. Like that is important. But one thing I've learned from the coaches I know 
is that if a kid stops having fun at a sport, they usually stop improving at a sport. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so in terms of like how we want to size this up and what we want on the kid and the parent's radar is it should be fun for the kid. So if a kid is no longer having fun in a particular sport, it might be worth, you know, playing out the season and then switching sports, but really talking about whether they're having fun, under what conditions they're having fun, not just because sports should be fun, but also if the kid wants to grow and develop as an athlete in that sport, they're going to need to be having fun. So you think parents should ask that question, even if you think you know the answer, like, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Oh, I think it should be right front and center. And it's interesting, Rena, we sometimes jump so far ahead to solutions that we're not asking our kids enough questions. Like, are you having fun? Are you liking this? When are you liking this? Do you want to go? Do you want to do this? Because I think even if the kid's like, yeah, 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 and it was all right there and it wasn't, you don't feel like you learned anything new. Yeah. What's happened in that interaction is you're making the kid ask that question of themselves and commit in a fresh way because you've asked the question. And, uh-huh. and there's got to be value in a kid saying, actually, I do like this. And it is fun, even on the days when I don't like how I played. Yeah, That gives you a place to start from again in terms of them maybe better tolerating, not always playing as well as everybody else around them or playing as well as they had the idea they could. Okay. We're going to pause and take a quick break. But Lisa, on the other end of this break, I want to ask you, sometimes you put kids in sports because you want them to do it and stick with it. We talk a little bit about motivation when we come back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love One Skin. They can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader, and in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up, and I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy-duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin, you have to hand wash some, you can only wash it in this type of detergent, and I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. 
EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about kids in sports and how they can fall apart easily when it doesn't go right. We're talking a little bit about asking kids, you know, can they, are they having fun? I remember Michelle Obama saying every semester she would have her kids do something that they weren't good at to just prove you've got to work hard and sometimes push through things that you don't like. I, I felt that way about sports. I hated sports. I was not a good athlete at all. But I was grateful that I did do sports. So where's the balance between I'm not having fun, I don't really want to do it, and then pushing your kids to try to do something to open and expand their horizons? Oh, man, that's such a good question, right? Because there's value in being bad at something um, Tell me and more sticking about that. with it. Well, what I'm thinking about is, you know, sometimes you come across these kids who are very, very skillful in a lot of ways. Like they're good at school, they've got strong social skills, you know, they're fun and funny, you know, school comes to them easily. And then um, their family says, okay, you need to play a sport. And the kid turns out to not be all that naturally athletic. Like it just doesn't come to them, like other things come to them. And I've seen those kids be like, I don't want to do it <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel good, right? Maybe this yeah. was you, Rena, where you're like, everything else I'm pretty capable at and this feels totally. lousy and why would I do this? And one thing, if that's your kid, one thing that you can say is, you know, kiddo, you got pretty lucky. The hand you got dealt, like there's a lot that comes easy to you that doesn't necessarily come easy to everybody else. School does not come easy to everybody. Social skills don't come easy to everybody. And say, I'm going to ask you to stick with this because you need to know what it feels like to not have something come easy, both Mm. because I want you to develop the capacity to work through it anyway, but also because I want you to develop empathy for kids where the stuff that comes easy to you doesn't come easy to them. Like that's a conversation you can have with a kid eight, nine, ten years old. Mm. That is really interesting. You know, so much of it is in parenting. You just do it because your parents did it, you did it, you need to do it too. But I love how you make us realize you've got to have these conversations with kids and sort of do a little explaining before you maybe throw them into a situation. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I've known kids who, when they didn't get onto the team they wanted, like maybe they were put on the B team, they want to quit, right? Mm. Like, I'll play Mm. if I'm on the A team, but if I'm on the B team, I don't want to play. And I think that's another moment in parenting where you're like, actually, I'm going to require you to stay on the B team because you need to be okay with not always being the best, right? And that's something that comes up in this letter, right? Like, how do I help them not be the best? And part of how we help kids tolerate that they are 
either not always going to be the best or never going to be the best, right? We have to be okay with that, is that we let them know that we are okay with that. I think sometimes it happens, right, where the kid's like, oh, my God, I was put on the B team. Like, take me out of the sport. And the parent's like, heck, yeah, taking you out of the sport. Like, and it it does it does reinforce this idea of, like, if you're not at the top of this I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed or you should be embarrassed or you should be ashamed. Let's not put ourselves in a position where everyone can see that there are kids who are more skilled than you are right now. Mm. Right. We got to be okay with that. And we want our kids to be okay with that. You know, on this topic of embarrassment, like it is really embarrassing when your kid loses its cool or her cool and throws things or really shows that they're disappointed or frustrated how do you help them understand about dealing with their emotions in a tough moment like that? Right. That's such an interesting, I'm so glad you brought that up, right? Like, it's not in the letter, but like, oh my gosh, if this is your kid, you're probably like, oh man, like, why? Yeah. Like, this doesn't feel Absolutely. good. Right. This isn't a good look. My kid's over there having a tantrum and throwing their helmet and stomping and like, you know, this is not okay. Um, so I think, you know, Another pass that a parent could say, take at it, is to say, you're not to do that, right? That's not okay. It's you're making a scene in the middle of the game when your teammates need to carry on, and you're not, it's not fair to them for you to have a tantrum, you know, while the game is still going and where they can see you. And so I'm going to ask you not to do it. Um, and what you may need to do is to say, instead, I'm going to teach you how to breathe yourself through mm. a lot of upset because you know they're also this letter writer is also talking about like these guys are getting teary and crying like it's not like they have tremendous control of their emotions right mm, that's a good point so the parent might say you know buddy you can't you cannot throw your helmet like that is a non-negotiable but you are getting frustrated and so you know why don't we do some box breathing or you practice some box breathing so that if you feel yourself welling up or if you feel your emotions getting the better of you You've got a strategy for getting them back under control where you can maintain your dignity and let your teammates play on, right? So you could do that. So if box breathing doesn't work, are there other things that you can help them do to walk them off the ledge and not freak out? Well, I do wonder, right? Like, could the kid take a little walk, right? Or could the kid find you in the stands and lock eyes with you and you give them a nod, right? Or could the kid go stand by a coach for a minute? Or could the kid, here's what I think would be really interesting. In that moment, is there any way they can pivot their attention to what their teammates need from them right now? Like, that's the other thing I'm wondering about in this letter is huh. this: these boys, all athletes, are surrounded by athletes who are making mistakes too. And so one of the things is, you know, swipe number 17 on this one, right? Like, you pass number 17, is... I wonder about a conversation where the parent says, yeah, no, I saw I saw that you, you know, missed that layup. Did you notice that that kid, you know, Tommy, he missed a layup too. Did you see how, did you see what happened? Did you see how he handled it? Oh. Right, so using, like, because I'm assuming that not every kid is falling apart all the time. I'm sure plenty of them are. But I'm wondering if the parents could point out the kids who are making mistakes, same kinds of, you know, your own kid is, and saying, like, did you see how Tommy handled it? Like, what do you think of how he managed that? And turn the focus off of themselves, right? That's what's so hard in this moment is that in the middle of a team sport, a kid is getting overwhelmed by thinking about what they just did 30 seconds ago 
We want their attention on the game, on everything around them, and not getting caught up on themselves. So can we direct their attention to the other teammates and Mm. who might need some support or who might have just made a mistake? And how can that kid get in there and help them out? So getting the athlete not to just look inwardly, but to see what else is happening beyond the scoreboard, beyond that moment on the field. Yeah, and how teammates they admire manage when mistakes happen. And this is where pro athletes are, you know, they're obviously operating at a completely different level, but pro athletes, you know, miss miss stuff constantly, make mistakes constantly. I mean, pro baseball is a game of failure, right? I mean, it's, you know, if you're batting 300 or you're doing great, right? And so even while watching pro sports with kids, you know, we can say like, see how that guy just struck out. See how he goes back to the dugout? Ah, That's what we're going for here. Yeah. So because they're idolizing these professional athletes that they're watching and want to be and like and replicate. But you're saying pointing out those moments when it doesn't go their way. I've got to tell you, there's some athletes where it doesn't go their way. They're not exactly the shining examples. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and so those are good ones, too, because be like, man, you know, his teammates counter on him and he's over there, you know, having a hard time. Like, I hope he can find a way to manage that better going forward. Like, I mean, you can talk about that. Honestly, if you watch pro sports, there are errors constantly that the best athletes are handling with tremendous dignity. They shake it off and they get right back in there. And so anytime you can use that as an example, I think you should. Mm. What do you think when you deal with kids who are just feel this pressure with sports or also the reverse, kids who just don't want to do it because they know they're not good at it? And it takes time and effort and sometimes years. I mean, I struggled as tennis. I struggled with tennis as a kid and now I'm an adult and all I want to do is play tennis all the time because finally things are clicking. How do you take frustration on the field and turn it into something positive? I think the key is in the last question this letter writer asked about tolerating not being the best. Yes. And I think if we say to our kids, sports is not about being the best, it's about getting better. And just make that the mantra at home. Playing sports is never about being the best, it's just about getting better, right? So, like, Rena, you will never beat Serena Williams. You, Are you could, sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Are you sure about that? <laughs> our expectations may be different. Okay, well, okay. But, like, you no, you're know right. that, you're right. right? Like, you yes, know true, that. True. And so... If you set this up for yourself, like you're going to be the best tennis player in your community and that's the only way you can enjoy the game, you are just in terrible shape coming out of the gate. If you set it up for yourself that every season you're going to get a bit better at tennis, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to have fun and you're going to keep getting better. And so one of the best gifts that sports can give our kids is comfort with the idea that even if you are the best at something, you'll be at the best at it for 20 minutes until somebody better comes along. Like, we have to be okay with that. And our kids have to be okay with that. And sports are just made to teach that to us and our kids. And so in terms of motivation, the way kids stay motivated in school and in sports and in everything is not about being number one, right? If that's the goal, It's not going to be a very fun game. If the goal is improving skill, figuring out where you can learn and grow, then I think kids can start to have fun. And that's a way to guarantee pleasure for everyone in it, even if they're not, you know, 
starting with a great skill set or they're not all that naturally athletic. If it can be about getting better, they can have fun. That's good. So Lisa, what about the kids who are just really good and don't even need to try? They just show up. Oh, man. This is where growth mindset hits its limit really fast, right? Because And I think it's really an interesting thing. Like, I like no one loves growth mindset like I love growth mindset in terms of motivating kids. But it's it comes up against the reality that there are some kids who are working so hard and getting incrementally better. And then there are some kids who are so gifted in their skills that they hardly practice or they're dogging at a practice or they miss a lot of practices and they're starting because they are so talented, right? Mm -hmm. Like that happens in school. And so I think, again, just as we have to be like, you know, the kids who are, you know, doing better than you, they're working hard. And, you know, if you want to do better, you can work harder. As much as we need to be honest about that, we also have to be honest that we are sometimes surrounded by people who are so gifted that um, they don't have to work that hard. And they will still be better (laughs) than we are at any variety of things. And the more a parent can be like, yep, kiddo, that's how the world works. It happens in life. It happens in all sorts of domains. And then to say, so what you can do is you can watch those kids closely and see what you can learn from them. Right. Your job is not you're not going to catch them. (laughs) You're not going to catch them. But is there any way that having that kid on your team who is just dazzling can inspire you, can cause you to stretch, can cause you to push, can help you get better, even if you're never going to surpass them? Like, but the key in this arena, it's not the lyrics it's the tune it's not the words it's how they're said you know it's the parent being like yeah no there are people I met at school who could do things that I didn't even know could be done that was like pretty humbling and I just realized like I wanted to be around them as much as possible to breathe the same air to see if I could pick up some of what they had going on right we have to be okay with that because that is how the world works and if you are not okay with that if you set this up like kiddo, you're supposed to be the best and like, don't let anybody tell you you can and don't, you know, don't think there's people you can't beat. Then like, it's going to be a path of frustration and disappointment because there are talented people around us and better off to be inspired by them than humiliated by them. Mm. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, there's so much that sports can help us with life. So Lisa, what do you have for us for parenting to go? Well, what I love about sports, and especially when we talk about growth mindset, is that you can then expand that to all sorts of things. So most kids, when they play sports and practice, do see themselves get better. And then when they come up against something hard in another part of their life, say like algebra or something, they can draw on that or be helped to draw on that. So what I mean is if you have a kid who runs into algebra and is like, whoa, what is this? It can be really helpful to say, you know, you used to feel that way about layups and then you practiced and practiced and you got better and better and better through practice, algebra is the same way. You may feel like you don't know what you're doing right now, but I promise you, if you practice and practice, you will get better. You've seen it happen in sports. It will happen the same way at school. I promise you, just stick with it. And it can make a big difference. An important lesson to learn early on. That is so true. You've got to put in the time. Yep, got to put in the time. And join us next week. We're going to talk about how you can possibly pay for college without going broke. We'll have special guest and author and friend of the podcast, Ron Lieber. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.